get it. You need to get the open double gory, son. Double voice, son. And dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And technology. So I think that we we got a little commuter cast connection there. Just tenuous. Tenuous at best. Episode 228, where your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on December 10th, 2015. I'm your host of the show, William, and joining me is my perennial co-host, Clay, the Commander Panda. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing just fine, thanks. Yep. Now, listeners, you might have noticed that we did something a little out of sequence. Uh, yeah, Calvin's not here just... At the moment. Yeah, at, just yet. Uh, the whole dental thing has him working later on Thursdays for some reason. I guess so, something about more people showing up Thursday nights. I guess I don't know. If the, I don't know. Do dentists do on calls? Like is it like just I don't know. ER dentistry. I really don't know. Maybe they just have more stuff scheduled. Maybe we'll have to ask him when he gets in. Yeah. Yep. So for a while, it's just gonna be me and Clay. It's a rare rare treat that you don't actually get to listen to. Actually. As I was telling Clay before, I think this might actually be the first time it's just been him and me one-on-one. <laughs> like, you've heard me, me and Mark doing the interview. You've heard me and Calvin plenty of times. It's actually the first time I've just done it with the panda. So, there we go. It's time for a little bonding experience. <laughs> All right, then. So, Clay, it's time. Favorite Commander of the Week. Shoot. Um, favorite Commander of the Week. Let's see. Um, I think out of the hilarity that ensued... Out of one of the games, um, Mark is gonna like this. Uh, Dagatar the Adamant. Wait, what? Um, if if you remember, maybe about a month ago, I put together a really, really, really bad Dagatar deck. Like literally, I traded with one of my friends for a bunch of stuff out of his binder. Went to my room, found a box of old cards, and was just like, "Let's throw all of these together in a deck and see what happens." You cry. That's what happens. So we did. And I got to play a game the other night um, where Dagatar actually did a lot of stuff. Like, through a combination of having Dagatar on the board, um, having our own preview card, Enduring Scale Lord. Not, or, no, um, Sunscorch Regent. That's so, what it was. Sunscorch Regent and Bloodspore Thranax? Um, I do not have Bloodspore Thranax in the deck yet. I have not made any changes to the deck since I last played it. Um, but by having a Sunscorch Regent and Abzan Falconer and Dagatar, I was able to make sure all my dudes had flying. Uh, Sunscorch got really, really big and somehow managed to kill a few people. I mean, Sunscorch Regent <laughs> just does that. Like, I legitimately, like, swung for lethal several times, and I was not expecting the deck to do that. I was not expecting other people to let the deck do that. But see, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, you come out with, with this commander that nobody really cares about. They're like, oh, that guitar the adamant. Watch <laughs> out for that guy. Yeah. And then he just maces them with his club. Basically. And that that is the one deck that I have built where I actually play Opal Palace. They got me to play Shimmering Grotto in a commander deck. And it's actually really strong. Well, the in Opal... a deck like Dagatar or Marath. Well, I mean, yeah, Opal Palace is great, but... 
commanders that want counters, but I've been jamming open palaces into more and more non-Planeswalker commander decks just because getting that extra body size has been helpful. Mm. Like, it's just one extra land, and you put at least one counter on them. Yeah. Like, do you realize how awesome it is to keep Kalia out of an Elish Nornlock? <laughs> Fair. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, the only one I don't put it in is Derevi, too. <laughs> because that activated ability. That activated ability. In fact, I think Opa Palace came in all the decks, so if you were using Derevi as your commander, it was just like, this. okay, this just is a Shimming Grotto now. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. It happens. It does. So what about your favorite commander this week? Um, let's see now. I didn't get a chance to play a lot of Commander these past couple of weeks. You know, what with the whole warehouse seasonal thing, it's just been like, uh, do I really want to go outside where I'm going to freeze my ass off for like eight minutes, going somewhere, then play maybe one or two games before I have to come back? I mean, I've still been messing around with Daxos a lot. He's still in his beta phase, and I need, and I'm probably finally going to get a chance to test him out. Uh, hmm. I'm not actually sure. Uh, let's see. We'll just grab someone. Uh, ah. uh, you know what? I'm going to say Azami. Because Azami actually helped me out this week by letting me sell a Snapcaster Mage from her. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. my roommate was missing a couple of ca- cards in his modern deck. So he asked if he could borrow a, a Click and a Snapcaster. So I went to my Azami deck and pulled them both out, lent them to him. And he's like, you know, I'll buy them off of you if you get, give me a price. So went online, looked at the prices. The click's going for like $36 now, so I'd actually rather just hold on to that one for tiny readers. Yeah. But the Snapcaster Mage, going for a cool 60 I mean, like, I've sold... They're both down quite a bit. They are, ever since Modern Masters, I want to say, because the Snapcaster was upwards of $80 at one point. I mean, he was still around there for a while. No, he was. And I managed to get, get 50 for him, so that actually helped pay for quite a few Christmas presents. <laughs> And because it's a zombie, you know, there's just a, a bunch of... I actually realized I didn't have a scheduled starfish in the zombie, which is actually just a crime. <laughs> so a zombie gets a starfish in exchange for a $50 bill. Nice. Most expensive starfish ever. Hmm. All right, then. So I'll put that into the show notes. A zombie. Yeah. She's actually just one of the best supporting commanders I have. Mm. Like, ever since I started doing that thing where I only let myself have one mythic in my collection and four copies of a, of a rare, <laughs> I've, I realized that I've actually just been sticking a zombie into a lot of blue decks as kind of a, a Phyrexian arena on a body if my mm. commander's also a wizard. Fair. So there's at least three other zombies hanging around in, in my EDH decks <laughs> just to, for those extra draw cards. <laughs> All right, then. So you folks there listening through your earbuds, computer screen, or, God forbid, Ancient MP3 player. First of all, how did you get this on an ancient MP3 player? I mean, if they download it on the computer, then put it on their device before listening to it? Well, yes, but I was about to say, I thought some of those cables had been outmoded. Like, at the very least, I thought they had rounded them up and burned them. True. Or, uh, one of those, like, uh, knockoff, one of of those things that tries to look like an old iPod. Yeah, one one of those things that Apple is trying to wipe off the face of the earth so we have no choice but to comply with their PC mass erase. Just, oh, oh no, there's been my link in the middle. Oh. Gotta keep him with his buddies, I can rob him. Alright, so if I you... I can rob him. Oh, yeah. I was ordering... You actually have a robin? Yeah, I was ordering a bunch of stuff online for Christmas, and one of the things I got was a robin amiibo for Ashley. And then I nice. realized, wait, why don't I just get one for myself, too? <laughs> so he's 
imported, so I named him Reflect after his Japanese name. And now I have a rock, now I have an amiibo for all three of my mains. Nice. Mallory, Mallory's mom found me an Ike amiibo. Wow. Um, at a GameStop and got it for me for my birthday. Actually, at this point of the year? Wow. Yeah, they had a single Ike. That's incredible. Ashley and I were afraid we'd have to beat people away when we had to pick up our pre-orders. I got her so many amiibos. I actually got her a Lucina yesterday. She's going to be super... Actually, I think all of her Fire Emblem amiibos except Ike have been imports now. She named her Marth King Weeaboo. <laughs> all right, but enough dangles. So, if you on the other end of those podcasts, headphones, computer screen, MP3 player, whatever tickles your fancy, if you like what we do here and you want to continue... Get in on the conversation. Go ahead and head over to either the comment section of our website and commandercast.com or head over to our subreddit, our commandercast. Hey, you actually said the right term this time. I did. It was bound to happen at some point. Eventually. Eventually. But you don't really count them as results until you, they show consistency. That, Fair. That's the scientific method. Fair. Yes. So if you like what we do here and you want to help support us, head over to our Patreon, too. You can go ahead and donate in any amount. Right now, we're just in tip jar mode, but we are getting close to the point where I'll actually have time to start producing content. I'm go- actually, now that I've got this free nifty iPod, uh, iPad from work, I can actually use it to record some live videos. Actually, I can record a deck tech and send it into Uriah's CMDR decks. Holy shit. <laughs> like, I can actually just go through and do a, a 26 video series for all my decks and send them all at once, and he'll be like, what the fuck? Actually, Publish I... one a week for half a year. <laughs> no, he'd have to. Yeah, he'd have to do it like every other week. Like, okay, here's an in. entire year of William's decks. <laughs> Is it bad that I want to do that now? Just do a deck tech for all the decks and then send them to him at once. That's actually probably just the worst. So hilarious. So if you want to see me send Uriah at CMDR decks twenty-seven different commander videos. Go ahead and support us on the Patreon. Actually, I'm going to check that right now and see what we're up to. We have six Patreons, and we're getting 25 a month. Hmm. So that's all right for us for a starting point. Not bad. Not bad. So if you like what we do here over on CommanderCast.com, go ahead and show us a little support if you don't mind. That actually would be super awesome. You can go ahead and hit us up on the Patreon where the CommanderCast network, and every dollar counts. You know, it's actually really cool that some people think that we're worth money right now, just the fact that we're in tip mode. Just the tip. Okay, so we're doing something a little weird for this episode. It's it's almost Christmas. Like, it's December. Christmas? It's almost Christmas. And we're missing our two front teeth. But, you know, things are getting just a little lethargic. Like, Mark's going to be out for the next couple of weeks because of holidays. Calvin's going to be running late some stuff. We do have a guest plan for next week. Uh, the guests we had planned for tonight ended up having to cancel and we had to reschedule for next month. So for like the next couple of weeks, it's actually the 30, let's see, one, two, Jesus Christ, we got Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve on Thursday when we normally record. So, <laughs> not quite. It's that time of the year. So today we're going to look, instead of our normal technology, strategy, community segments, what we're actually going to do is something I've been considering doing for the Patreon which is posting a bonus show that you can watch like once or tw- that you can listen to once or twice a month. Where instead of doing our three topics, we go ahead and just go super in-depth on one topic. You know, kind of like what a normal podcast would be, only it's that one topic. So today, we're going to go ahead and discuss the 10 most powerful commanders in command. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. 
And in a couple months, they're going to have an OTP tournament. Ooh. I'm super excited for that. So yeah. only two characters in your deck? Yes. I can't play the waifu one because I don't have a waifu. But I can totally play the OTP one because I'm all about those magical lesbians. <laughs> Fair. All right, then. So, in order to talk about the 10 most powerful commanders in the format... The first thing we have to do is kind of list out some criteria that we're going to use for this stuff. Because we're not actually going to list out who we think are the ten. Like, we don't have a prepared list for this. It's more going to be a discussion over who should be in the dis- who should be in this list of top ten com- commanders. And we'll be, we have a list that we have, and we can fill in as we go, move things around. But the first com- criteria I want to point out for these is that when you think of the most powerful commanders, you tend to think about value. You know, these are commanders that just create inherent value whenever you play them. They have an immediate impact on the board. You know, it's stuff like Sharoom, who can get back an artifact, Marshall Wander, who cascades twice. You see a lot of these commanders that, as soon as they're played, they're automatically doing something. Yeah. Uh, so, like, we listed Sharoom, Marshall Wander, Clay. Can you think of other value commanders, like uh, Marin from the new commander? Yeah. Uh, a- Marin and Azuri, if you have ways of following up from the new ones. Um, let's see. I could... Any of the Praetors. Um, yeah, the Praetors do get you get you value. More anything like, that doesn't require you to do anything else. Right. Like, the commander themselves is literally just doing something. Sidisi. Sidisi. Yeah, that's another one. Either Sidisi. Either Sidisi. Even better. Yeah. Um, so they have value. Uh, we could also split that off into just the immediate impact territory. Yeah. Like, Anathens of the Foremost has that exiling effect. Elish Norn has that double anthem swap. Yeah. Let's see. The second criteria that I was going to point out was that a lot of the most busted commanders end up being the ones that can tutor repeatedly. So you've got Dagston, you've got Xur, Sisse, uh, let's see, who, who was the rebel one? Linsivi? Linsivi. Yeah, any of the commanders that can just repeatedly tutor. Yeah. So... Yes, Sidisi counts there too. Although, well, no, she's more of a uh, she's a, more of a other Sidisi, right? One of the Sidisis. Um, I can see it in my head. Uh, Momir Vig. Momir Vig. That's a very powerful. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Narset falls into the value territory. Yeah. Especially when you set her up to just cast free spells. Yeah. Like it's she, she's like a race car. You give her an open open lane, she just takes off. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's just crazy. Carador falls into the, the value one just because of his uh, recursive elements. Yeah. Damia, if you play, play if you're playing her right, just gives you free hand. Yeah. If you have a burgeoning on the board. If you have a burgeoning on the board, that's just stupid value. It's just insane. So automatically, we're listing off some incredibly top tier commanders just from oh, yeah. these two criteria. Uh, I had a third one in mind, but did you have any any off the top of your head? Um. Like when you think about powerful commanders, what do they tend to do? Or, why don't you finish yours, and then I'll go through mine. See, I was trying to remember what the third one was. Uh, do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Because okay. I, I wanted uh, to say cost, but some of the most busted commanders are actually, like, seven mana upwards. Oh, like, one of the things that I think about is there there has to be a reason. Or, let's see. I guess the easiest way to say it would be notoriety. Um, is like, I could be playing um, a blue-red deck. And I could sit down at the table and whip out Niv Mist the Firemind. And I could just be playing, like, good blue and red spells, but 
because of the fact that Niv Mizzet is my commander, people are going to automatically look my direction. Okay, like, so commanders that are inherent combo pieces. Inherent combo pieces or just have they just have like what what's the word? A stigma? Uh the reputation? Yeah. Well just, they get their reputation, reputation from they well they get their reputation from being powerful. Yeah. So it's but, something that comes with being powerful, but it's not exactly the power itself. Yes, but it also but it contributes to whether you would consider it like a top commander. Um, because the power level has to be there for this sort of thing to develop. But if I'm just playing, like, well, no, range-value Narset, people are going to think I'm playing extra turns Narset. And... No, I see where you're coming from. And that's not a bad path to go down. Like, if we just think of, okay, so what are the most notorious commanders that we constantly hear about? You know, what are those attributes? What do those attributes look like? So, like, Gabe. He's known for comboing with anything and every, everything. So that helps lend credence to the fact that some of those powerful commanders are just in the con these two and three card combos that yeah. just win. Like people, Gabe, Niv Mizzet, Nekuzar sometimes. People have done busted things with them, so people assume that people are going to do busted things with them. So uh let's see. Their busted potential, potential to be busted. I'm trying to think of a word for this. Uh breakability? Exploitability. So. Ex- exploitability. Yeah. So we so had now. so we have their value, their immediate impact, and their exploitability. Yeah. And we're just kind of putting a footnote that notoriety ends up being the flag that lets you know, hey, this thing might just be in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, and most of the commanders that we've named off have that sort of notoriety to them. Exactly. Like, you've got, like, when you say Carador, what do you tend to think? Oh. Uh, Revlark. <laughs> exactly. Revlark, maybe, and what does Revlark go great with? Karnak. And his best friend, Mirror Entity. <laughs> and their other best friend, Blood Artist. Yes. Um. Or even like, you know, Damia. Or Damia. Just Sultai combo. Or Maelstrom Wanderer, god forbid. <laughs> Actually, I think I might switch my teamer deck back to Maelstrom Wanderer, because I haven't seen a Maelstrom Wanderer deck in forever. So, we have those. Let's see. Impact, variety, explorability. And I can't think of anything else. Can you, as far as criteria that we're going to be using? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I guess also just how prominent they are. Mm. Might be. It's like, uh, how, how to phrase things. Something along the lines of, or, I guess how linear they are? No, I don't, I wouldn't go with that. Like, linearity can mean that they just do one thing really well, but that one thing yeah. doesn't necessarily ha- doesn't necessarily equate to incredibly powerful. True. So let's. So with that said, as we start evaluating any further criteria, let's go ahead and talk about like some of the commanders. <laughs> like when you think of inherently powerful commanders, Kalia is definitely in the discussion for incredibly powerful commanders. Yes. However, what keeps her out of being like a top ten discussion for me is the fact that her deck is so reliant on her. If you take out that keystone, everything falls apart. Usually. True. Unlike say a Carador deck, where Carador is a powerful enabler for, for the deck. But the deck usually just runs fine without them. Oh, wait. Resiliency. Resiliency. That could be another one. Resilience. Or, you know, we could even just say commanders that cheat the tax. Mm. Mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> like, there's the, rev- the revenue gets around that. Prashamrath benefit from it. So does Jalava. I haven't seen a Jalava deck in forever now that I think about it. <laughs> um, so, let's go ahead and start going. So, let's just go down the list and list some of the most busted commanders that we can think of. Like, there's Sharoom. There is Sharoom. 
Let's see. Malice from Wander, which we've mentioned several times now. <laughs> Zuri the Enchanter has that notoriety because of his repeated, repeated tutoring. Yes. Like, this was, uh, I was, it was interesting how this was actually a point of contention in my playgroup. Because they're like, well, Zura actually isn't that great now, or something like, and no, no, Zura's actually just busted. Because you literally <laughs> build a toolbox full of silver bullets and ways to protect Zura. Yes. That is exactly how Zura works. Like, there was some really dumb thing that went on. Um, we ended up at like a six player table. Where most of the game, some of us didn't really do anything, and the Zer player just quietly uh, kept finding pillow fort pieces, and then eventually it was just like, oh, hey, here's this infinite combo. You're all dead. It's like, okay, thanks, sir. Zer, why? Why, sir? Hmm. So, let's see. <clears throat> more value. More more abilities. So, Arkham Daxon, that's another one. Oh, yeah. The fact that you can trade an Ornithopter and turn it into a Blightsteel Colossus. <laughs> Arkham Dexit. Oh, and you know what? On he, that... he finds non-creature artifacts. Oh, that's right. So he, turn he had... it into your Darksteel forge. Uh, forge. And then animate it, and then give it insect. <laughs> Congratulations, you've built a Blightsteel Colossus. Um, on that so note... of the Ur-Dragon isn't necessarily a powerful commander, but there is a very specific way that you can build it. Which and is... I guess that warrants yeah. consideration, but... It's, war- it's definitely warranty of consideration. You don't. It's more. Of, it's more of a deck than a commander. Kind of, because there are people who just use Scion to play the five-color. Uh, derp dragons. Not not derp dragons. The other one, the one that we don't like. Oh, hermit druid. There we go. There are people who just use it as a five-color hermit druid deck, but I don't know. Scion has the potential. The thing is, though, that Scion is becoming that creature rather than like adding it to your hand or dropping it onto the field and stuff like that. And even then, it's only for the turn. So, yeah, Scion is but, definitely not in the league of Zur'er and Arkham, but he's no. worth talking about. But Scion Derp Dragons is... Dragons are powerful. People underestimate Dragon Tribal, but it's definitely a thing. No, I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying yeah. he's just more along the levels of Kalia, where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's incredibly powerful, but is he top 10? I don't think so. Probably. Joyra, though. <laughs> Joyra of the... What was it? Vidu Gazi? It's been a while since... Uh, the G2. God, good God, this is making me feel old, like... I, it's been forever since I've seen a bunch of these commanders that I remember seeing all over the place at one point. <laughs> yeah, Joy of the Gitu. Like, she actually just circumvents the rules of magic. You know, that's, yes. that's another one. That Arkham Daxon cheats guys out. Zer tutors and just cheats enchantments out. Yeah. Alice Martyr just cheats. <laughs> How much cheating can you do? Hmm, see that. There are, let's see, value-wise, the freight, the, not the freight, the Titania deck. Mm. Yeah. That's... It made Wood Elemental playable, for God's sake. <laughs> Barely, but yes. Let's see. Let's see. What are some of the ones that we've gotten in the past year that are just incredibly powerful? Let's see. Let's see. The Mimeoplasm deck is notoriously powerful. But that, but that's more along the lines because Mimeoplasm can be considered a very powerful combo piece. Yes. Like, maybe not combo in the sense of, oh, I'm going infinite, or Nivmizit plus curiosity type things. But he does go, okay, I get to be a big Skitherix. Or, hello, I'm a Sage of Hours. Look at all these counters I've got. It'd be a shame if I had just removed them all. <laughs> a zombie's another one who, who can get, get into the discussion just because she gets you pure value. She's living a, a commander that says, hey, draw a card as soon as you play me. Yeah. 
Like, you could argue, argue someone like Silvala is in that discussion because, hey, at worst, she says draw a card too, right? True. Says you're probably also going to gain life. You're also going to gain life. You're also going to ramp. And I've seen Silvala do some really powerful stuff, especially when you stick her into, like, a Bant deck and you have the um, uh, the Retreat to Core Helm out. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, play the land, untap her, do it again. Oh, and by yeah. the way, I have, like, seven triggers because I play Boundless Realms. <laughs> that was just stupid. Fair. Let's see then. Ixador? I don't know. Ixador <laughs> just kind of ascends this list into god tier. Yeah, it's not fair to it's not fair to the others to make them think that they could be that good. It's like trying to put Satsuki Kiryuin on a wiper scale. No, like no, she just ascends everything. <laughs> but on that note, ah damn it, I just had someone and then I lost it. Uh, Animar. Oh yes, Animar. Oof. Not only is he a powerful combo piece, he's another one that just breaks the rules. Yeah. I think we can say that a lot of the more powerful characters are the ones that break the rules. Oh, yeah. So, like, there's value. The breaking the rules thing falls into, again, the exploitability characteristic. Yeah. So, there you go. We were actually on point with that exploitability. <laughs> um, let's see. They so, do things that you normally should not be able to do. Exactly. Oh, Yisan. Uh, Yisan, the, the Wanderer Bard? Yeah. Let's see. That certainly is a powerful commander. But is he top ten? Possibly. Possibly. If you build him right. This is true, but is there, like, if a lesser deck was built around him, would he still be incredibly powerful? Yeah. You could, you could, yeah, you could argue, yes. Repeatable tutoring. Let, let's replace Scion on this list with you, so. Yeah, so what we've got done now is we've gotten to the point where we have ten commanders listed. I don't know why this is... Indented? Yeah. That's actually... That's too far. What the actual hell, Google Doc? <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we've gotten to the point where we have ten commanders listed. At this point, if we think of a commander that can actually get onto this list over someone else and should, that's what we can do. Okay, so let's see. I'm trying to think of the commanders I have, because some of them are just incredibly powerful. Like, I would, I could try and argue for Dami being on this list. Like, she has some of the yeah. three most powerful colors. Like, you could say that she gets Insane over... Insane draw ability. Insane draw ability. Like, she's just a hella powerful control deck. Yes. So then who would you end up cutting to get Dami in there? You could argue Azami, because they kind of do the same thing. But Azami also has the notorious Mind Over Matter combo. Yeah. Like, I'd probably Joyra. Eh, I don't think so. Dami could do a lot of things. But suspending Kozilek and Obliteration is not one of them. True. Like, remember, one of the reasons... However, that... I, I will make a counter-argument. Ooh. That the fact that you have to suspend them... People will know they're coming. People will have time to prepare. And yes, while you are cheating the system, you still have to wait for your stuff to get there. Yes, but while you're waiting, you have time to get, like, the counterspells or whatever that say, okay, I have insurance that says you guys don't do th the thing when I try and do the thing. I suppose. I Actually, if I remember correctly, Eric was... Uh, he was an avid Joyra player back when, around when he started, and he started, you know, figuring out how to make really powerful commander decks. And she's the whole reason why he swore off blue. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I just play counter spells when they try and stop me from casting this gigantic Eldrazi and wiping out everyone's lands. Fair. It got to the point where I, th I think it got to the point where it's like, do you, someone would go, do you have the counter spell? Yes. Okay, I scoop. And having played against that deck too, that is incredibly unfun, but it's still hell powerful if your goal is just to win. Fair. So, hmm. I actually think Yisung would end up getting cut out for Damia. Fair. Alright, 
down. Let's see that. Uh, hmm. What about the commanders you, you play, Clay? How would, how would they uh, be up in here? Well, let's see. What, what do I... Commanders that I have access to, like, right now. I have Sidisi. Sidisi is very strong. Um, Sidisi is brilliant. Um, I have Krond, the Donclad. Um, Green White Enchantress. I have Kirkesh, Onaki Ancient, where we get to dirtle with artifacts. Um, I personally would put him among top ten, but probably no one else would. Um, just because of how much fun I have with the deck. We have Mizzix, and we have Dagatar. Borborygmos uh, Enraged? <laughs> I don't know if Borborygmos would get there. Omnath certainly yeah. could, though. Omnath could. New Omnath is really potent. <laughs> like, I actually had a friend who took out the... Oh, what was it? Perilous Forest. He actually took it out because it made the deck too combo-y for him. <laughs> That's so good. It is so good, but you just kill people, and it wasn't how he wanted to be winning. I mean, like, I would tell totally, but... Yeah. Okay, so who would uh, New Omnath supplant on this list? Um, I don't know if he would. I'm not sure either. Like, you could argue Titania, because you can put Titania into that deck, but they're still slightly different decks. They are. Like, with Omnath, you need to be able to be playing the lands in order to get the guys. And yeah. he's, and he's already starting at expensive at, at eight or seven? No, it's seven. Like, he starts at it's seven. It's not, it's, he starts at seven, which isn't that big of a deal to a proper ramp deck. You're playing him, so you don't want to continue playing ramp spells anyway, so you're probably going to be able to recast him no matter what. But you can say the exact same thing about Titania, and she brings back a land all on her own. Yes. She so, has immediate value. If you're playing her correctly, she will basically immediately make a 5-3, and she only costs 5 mana. Right. So, plus she's also monocolored, so you get that consistency. Yeah. Hmm. Talking about cards is hard. Talking about cards is hard, because, like, the only weak link I could see here to cut out for on that to get on this list would be a zombie. Now, like, and listener, in case you were wondering about Narset, if you're just screaming, hey, what about Narset? You just mentioned her. I did, in fact, put her in there over the Damia. <laughs> Because I realized, oh, wait, Narset just casts spells for free. Narset does, in fact, cast spells for free. For free? For free? Three, for spe- tree. three spells for free? Three tree, yeah. three tree spells for free? Often. Let's see. What what else are just legendary creatures? A lot of things. Sure. Oh, Azusa. Azusa, I don't know. Like The thing about these powerful commanders is that, with some exceptions, even when you're running light on gas or... or your deck is starting to poop a little, they manage to act... They're so powerful, they can actually pull you back into the game. Yeah. Like, a zombie will draw you cards, Mimeoplasm will eat the dead things, Master Wonder actually just basically says, hey, play the next two cards you would have drawn. Like, the only one on here who doesn't do that is Joira. True. But by the time that happens... But if you're running light in a Joira deck, it's because you've already suspended everything. Fair. Oh, let's see. It's just so much stuff. You know what? Six hundred and nine legendary creatures. Wow, that is one hell of a Pokemon song. <laughs> Actually, you know what I realized? What? When you listen to enough of our shows, some of us have a thing that we say over and over and over again. Like what? Like you say fair. fair. I I say all right. Like I say that a lot, and Noel says sure. So now I just kind of want to find that Obama poster meme from his initial election where it said hope. I just want to get our faces on there with our word. Like, <laughs> sure. Fair. All right, then. Anyways. 
Let's see. Who who said that? I don't know. No, that's Calvin's catchphrase. Let's see then. So looking through all these commanders. As a commander, Avicen is really expensive. Powerful, but she is. she's not the abusable thing here. You'd have to be playing a lot of Man Rocks in order to get her going. Gaddock Teague. Gaddock Teague is... He's strong, but his power comes from the nine other people, rather than just his straight power. Yeah. Man, there, there's just so many different things that you could categorize with. I know. Like, we know that Brago makes for a very strong deck. Oh, yes. Captain Sisse. There we go. That's one who can actually fight for this. The Sisse deck is actually just incredibly powerful. Yeah. You can get a turn three Elishnorn with that deck. It's stupid. <laughs> Plus, because Sisse is tutoring a card for you every turn, it's like a zombie, only better because she's literally grabbing you whatever you need. So who would Sisse supplant? Does she, yeah. does she actually just miss out? Like, you could you could argue that she takes over a zombie spot. I mean, we could make an argument that Maelstrom Wanderer doesn't quite make it, just because um, I used to have a Maelstrom Wanderer deck a long time ago. The problem was I played so much ramp that whenever I would Cascade, I would just Cascade and double ramp. And it's just like, you want to be casting him as soon as possible, but to make that possible, you dilute the things that you could actually hit with it that have an impact. Hmm... I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing, though. Like, you want to play him faster, but if you're hitting too many ramp spells, I think you just need to find a good balance of ramp spells to other ramp spells. Because when you cast a ramp spell off of a Maelstrom Water, you're just guaranteeing that you're going to be able to cast him a second time. True. It's like, oh, I hit this, uh, not, not ramp of growth, uh, explosive vegetation. Oh, that's such bad value. I guess I'll only cast two more Maelstrom Wanderers. Hmm. I think a zombie actually gets kicked off the list for Sisse. Let's just expand to a top 50. Yeah, that that won't be hard at all. All of them. All of the commanders are top tier. Oh, but a zombie has that whole... All 600 of them. A zombie has that wizard tribal thing. Yeah. Like, she actually just ends up drawing you, like, three or four cards a turn. And I built mine... And I built mine with, like, just the morph wizards, and (laughs) I still draw that many. All right, so let's get back to the board here then. Um, hmm. Nope. At least we know Trunking Science will cut all this out. Yeah, that's true. Edric is certainly powerful because he has that value aspect. Yes. Like, if the only thing you keep him out here is probably a zombie because the zombie says, hey, I don't even need to hit people to draw cards. True. Um, Edric also has that political aspect too, where you can encourage people to hit each other. He does have that aspect. But the fact that a zombie can actually just sit in her own little corner of the ga- of the room and do her own thing. <laughs> so where does Gabe fit into this? Gabe is in fact a very powerful commander. Yes. Just for his combability. Yeah, there we go. There's a word. Combability. <laughs> he Com- just combos with everything. He does. So okay. Animar just grace rules. He's cast, yes. He's letting you cast creatures for free at some point, and he literally enables infinite Hydra. Yes. Um, also gets infinitely big with a single other card. Exactly. Arkham Daxton's br- bringing out ridiculously expensive stuff, so he's still on there. The Mousham Wanderer, the Shroom, the Zerg, those are fine. So the only ones that I can really look at are, like, Yoira, Titania, and Azami. Wow, Azami's really fighting the hand in there. <laughs> but she just draws you so many cards when you leave her alone. And 
the fact is you can protect her well enough in mono blue that you can force other people to be from Exactly, and not only that, but because she's drawn you the cards, you can afford to be a little liberal with your counterspells. It's just ridiculous. It really is. So that really only leaves us with Mimeoplasm, Titania, and Noira. <laughs> and of those three, I'm tempted to cut Titania from the list first. I mean, maybe it's just because I have much more experience playing with Titania than other things. But I do think Titania can be much more explosive than Joyra. She certainly can be. But then Joy- what Joyra has is consistency. Because you but have it's a consistency, though. It's more just I'm going to exile all this stuff out of my hand, and it's going to come in at some point. But that doesn't mean she has the consistency of having the right things to suspend hmm. without proper deck manipulation. Whereas Titania just needs a couple of lands that sacrifice themselves and maybe a green sun Zena. All right, so let's go ahead and put <laughs> Joyra and Titania head to head on these different points of contention. Value. <laughs> Titania gets the, you the immediate value. She's going to bring back a land, and you can sack that land to get a 5-3. Yes. So, Titania wins that one. Titania wins that one because on the turn she comes down, if you're casting her on curve, she immediately does. Joyra, I feel, wins the exploitability side, though, because she's literally circumventing a rule of the game that says, hey, cast this thing way ahead of time before you can. Now, the flip side of that is that she becomes less relevant as the game goes on. Because you're right, yes. she doesn't get that off early when that ability is useful. When you actually do get the 12 mana, you look at Cozy and you're like, and you're like why wouldn't I just cast this? Yes. So, let's see, what was the third one? The immediate impact-wise? Uh, Titania has immediate impact. Joyra yeah. does not. Okay. Unless you cast her a couple turns later, when you have the mana to immediately suspend Okay, so I'm on board. You're always going to get kicked off if Gabe can, t- can take her on. So let's go ahead and look at those head-to-head. <laughs> Value. Gabe can come out and just start making tokens. Yes. And that's going to be relevant regardless of at what point you start playing him. Yes. The exploitability comes from the fact that he combos with so many different things. Yes. And he can do it immediately. Immediately. Whereas and... Joyra needs to wait several turns. Okay, so on board, Gabe kicks Joyra off of the top ten list. Let's see that. Goodbye, Joyra. One likes you anyway. Womp womp. Grand Arbor Augustine the Fourth. Powerful <laughs> and very grown tacit, but not inherently powerful. You just it, contradicted yourself. Exactly. Which is exactly what he does a lot. Or at least I'm going to assume so. Arbor Augustine the Fourth. He sounds like a politician. Like, of course he's going to contradict <laughs> I mean, he himself. is. So, yeah, he's, he's a griefer card, but he's not. Was more powerful. I would put Mizix before him. Just because <laughs> Mizix can scale better. Let's see. Yeah, we have a fair bit of commanders that are actually very powerful. Just, how many of them are on this level? <laughs> like this S-tier commander level. It's, damn it, Calvin, we need some input. <laughs> Man, let's see. Hmm. Because it's just, it's just hard to rank things. It is. Like, we mentioned Carador, but he just, he's not, I don't think he's powerful enough to meet all of these guys. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you get to recast a creature from your graveyard. Yes, he actually circumvents his own command attacks, but you're only playing one creature a turn off of him. And the <laughs> Wanderer can let you get up to two. On the plus side, though, 
We do have over 600 commanders. What a, a lot. What a time to be alive. <laughs> and we just get more. Coco shows abusable, but you have to jump through hoops to make that work if you want to be your commander. Yes. Kozilek is powerful, but takes forever to cast. Even with some, <laughs> even with some amount of mana rocks. Like I've had games where I've cast them early, but you know what? I'm gonna try something. Are you gonna try yelling Jumanji? Because no. I think that only works on Robin Williams. Top commanders of all time via EDH rec. Ooh. Or at least due to number of decks. Actually, hold on. I believe is what it is. I'm gonna head to MTG. Let's see. Oh, you're right. EDH rec. I actually forgot about that. So you go <laughs> there. I'm gonna see if they're on. Like I think these are rated. Top, as in the number of decks that they have. Yep. Posted for them. All right. So, top commanders of all time. There's Aloru, Carador, Animar, Kali is number four all time. Oh yeah, where'd he go? Are you on EDH Trek or are you somewhere I, else? I'm on. I'm on EDH okay. Trek. I was about to say like, wait, we're looking at wait, two different sites have exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> what? That just shows you how powerful the numbers are. <laughs> so Riku, the two reflections. That's one who could potentially enter the conversation. Yes. I, I think, mean, I think most of these could potentially... Oh, Prosh. We forgot about Prosh. That is a hot tamale. We forgot Prosh. Okay, so who... Everyone wishes that we could forget Prosh. But, okay, so who are we putting up against? He's a dragon who makes token, an exponentially growing number of tokens. This is true. Mm. But he's not gay. I mean, let's think about this. In terms of potential combos with tokens... um. Gabe requires at least two other cards. Prosh requires one. Food chain? Yes. This is true, and that is a hallmark of a card, the exploitability. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he just generates... He immediately generates sacrifice fodder. Whereas with Gabe, you have to work... They, they do different things. They always do different things. They always do different things, and we do give that concession. However, I think the more appropriate matchup here might actually be Prosh and Mimeoplasm. Because mm. I'm still... Because Gabe is actually above Mimeoplasm. With Gabe, he literally combos with anything. With Mimeoplasm, we're actually looking at some specific cards that he's well known for comboing with. Yes. Like Sage of Hours, Skitherex, so on and so forth. True. So, okay. Mimi Prosh has the exploitability factor. Because he's making exponentially um, exponential amounts of kobolds, it's very easy to find cards that exploit this, that yes. bend around it. Like your aforementioned food chain. Or Goblin Bark. Or Gallum Bombardment. Or, uh, Evolutionary Leap. Or Ashenoth Altar. Yes. Like, there all is... these things. Yeah, like, literally all of these things. Mimeoplasm, though, requires things to be in the graveyard. True. Which, yes, you can go ahead and set that up with any number of shenanigans. Like, you can have a Sadisi in there, you can have Dredge. But if you don't have your Skitherix in there, then he doesn't do that particular combo with. Yeah, to be fair, you're also playing black, so you have those tutors available to you. True. Hmm. <laughs> There's also Sharoom, who could be potentially through the office. But True, Sharoom, I, haven't, I haven't seen Sharoom in a while, personally. But in Sharoom's defense, she has that immediate impact value where she's grabbing yes. you back an artifact. Even if you broke off like a Wayfarer's battle, that's still a free thing that you're getting back. True. True, true, true. So, does Prosh kick off Nimioplasm? Well, let's go ahead and... I would say yes. So, personally. let's see. Value-wise, he comes into play with tokens. Okay, Prosh has value. There's the exploitability. He, he doesn't even have to come into play. He doesn't even have to come into play. It's a cast trigger. So, yeah, I would feel... Com I think we're comfortable putting Prosh in place of Mimeoplasm. Yes. All right, then. So, scrolling down the list. 
Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Marchesa the Blacklist is a very popular commander. Her power, though, comes from giving guys counters and then having something to do with them for having those counters. Like, you have undying creatures, you have engines that go on top of that, you have Micaeus, who says, yeah, you guys can die and they'll come back and get counters, and then when they die with counters, then you can do things again. Yeah. Rune has been known as a very powerful value engine. Yes. But... When you look at, at this competition, this competition has gotten incredibly stiff very fast. <laughs> oh, I miss Calvin. This is where he'd be following me up with a phrasing joke. <laughs> I think, because we potentially could make different top ten lists. We actually could, just based on our own preferences. Off of own preferences and criteria such as just being degenerate or how fun it is to play with how good it is at what it does, that sort of thing. And that actually sounds like a great topic that we can that we should do for another episode. Yes. Actually, we're going to be doing an awards thing next week anyway. Mm. So the week after that, we could actually just do, hey, let's go ahead and just do our own personal stuff. Top mm. dance, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, in two weeks, it's uh, the 24th. In two weeks, it is the 24th. So it's going to be the on-map episode, right? <laughs> Might as well be. Oh, yeah, red and green, all of this. The Borborygmos episode, though. He just throws the trees at you, man. I mean, I did get doned by a Borborygmos, but let's see. That's... Yeah, there's so many great commanders that you can try and get into this conversation. Like, Perforos, yes, he's incredibly <laughs> pow- powerful. One of the most powerful red commanders ever. He's still not in this league. Rafiq, no. incredibly powerful and known for just killing people out of nowhere. Scion of the Ur-Dragon. Scion Not the quite there. As a commander. As a deck, maybe. Depending on which ones. Like a few years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I think Rafiq would have been on this list. Mm, true. Like, Riku's incredibly popular, but you need things to actually do his copy shenanigans. Yeah. So, sometimes they're just meta-dependent, like Rurkthar. Rurkthar <laughs> just destroys Mizzix-type decks all day. Oh, yeah. That is true. And Gaddick D. Like... That card can shut down an entire table. It just has to be the right table. Sometimes you get hidden gems, like Andy and the crew came together for an entourage and made Seton, Crows and Protector, <laughs> which is a 2-2 centaur druid for triple green. It says, tap and untap druid you control, add green to your mana pool. Yeah. Like, that deck ended up just being incredibly stupid powerful, like a Kamal deck, too. Like, Seton, Kamal, these are things that could be vying for the, one of these slots just a few years ago. But I think Titania might actually... Well, hmm. Do you think Kamal could beat Titania? Uh, I don't... I have seen uh, both decks do really dumb things. They do. However, I think for sheer power, I would have to go with Titania. Just because, so, um, like, both Setan and Kamal just require you to dedicate more creatures to the board to make them better. Whereas Titania literally just needs you to pay her mana cost. Okay, so here's a question for you, Clay. Yes. How many of these commanders do we have in our current top ten do you recognize as being from the past, oh, we'll say three or four years? Past three or four years? I mean, let's see. Um, That's a good question. So I'm looking well, at... Let's see, there's Maelstrom Wanderer, there's Narset, there's Titania, there's Prosh. There's Animar and Gabe. That's... Oh, yeah, Animar and Gabe. Animar Gabe. All of these were from these past four years, starting with the original Commander decks. The other four have managed to hang on through these ages. 
I, I think I think the most recent one among them is actually Sharoom, and that was from Shards of Alara. Yeah. So we're seeing both commanders that are designed to be busted in this format, busting up the format. <laughs> and then we're seeing, as you would think they would. And we're seeing commanders from older times where they might not have been developed quite as cleanly. Mm-hmm. Like they pr- probably thought, oh man, maybe they'll do some something in standard. Commander's not a real format. Uh, don't worry about it. But they end up just being covered. The Arkham Dagson thing, though. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it's literally just a free Darksteel Forge when you get him out. Yes. It's it's, so dumb. It really is. Or no, you you find your uh, your mirror matrix first. Or your mirror turbine, whichever one makes mirror. So you can sacrifice them to find your Darksteel Forge afterwards. The Sliver Overlord is a very potent commander because he has that continuous searching ability. Yes. And when you play him with, like, the amiibo changeling, you actually just take all the things. So it's it's kind of like a upgraded Memnarch kind of card. <laughs> but does he make this top ten? I don't know or think so. Like, you have the consistency issues of the 5 color deck comes with. Yes. I'm so confused. About what? Why do we have to rate things? And I've actually just gotten to Zergo. Zergo is the last commander listed. <sighs> Zergo Helm Smasher. Ball Striker. Helm Smasher Ooh. should come before. Should come after that. Nope. Alphabetical order. Zergo Ball Striker. Buh. Come on, Clay. Alphabet, alphabet with me. Helm Striker is the last. Helm Smasher is the last one. Yeah. Which means yeah. Ball Striker comes first. Yes. Ooh. So a lot of really powerful commands in here, but as far as a top ten, I think we have our list unless there are any you think are deserving of contention. I mean, it's just. Hard to objectively make a list like this. It really is, but it's act, but it's also just kind of a good thought exercise to have once in a while, you know? True. Because in order to make this list, we actually had to come up with reasons why a commander would just be absolutely busted. Yes. So, Clay, <laughs> you want to reorder these with me? Oh, man, how to? That's the question. That is actually just nigh impossible for me, I think. I think up to number one would probably be Zer. I see. Just because he doesn't require any outside cards. He doesn't require you to cast any other cards for him to be really good. No, he does have a lot of consistency. Yes. It's not like where, Nar- it's not like Nar said where you need to either set it up or hope you get lucky. Yeah. Like everything else here requires some sort of outside influence that Zer does not. Now, see, while that is true, are the others so are the others powerful enough in other aspects that they can outweigh that? Like Gabe, yes, he needs other cards in order to be that powerful, but he can start going off as soon as he hits the board. And he combos with so many interchangeable pieces that you're almost always going to have one or two of them available. I think I'd still have Zer at the top. Well, go ahead and put Zer at the top then. Tentatively, I'm going to move a zombie towards the bottom. <laughs> Number two. Right now, we arbitrarily have Maelstrom Wanderer in that spot. So I mean, going by the same criteria as Zer, just uh, like Maelstrom Wanderer... Maelstrom Wanderer generates value on his own. Yes. He doesn't require... Doesn't necessarily require any outside setup. No, if you have enough lands to cast them, you cast them. Doesn't matter if you're t- if you're in top deck mode. Master Wander is actually one of the best commanders you can have. Yes, 
God, I love Mouse and Wanderer. <laughs> I, the last time I played Mouse and Wanderer, I made everyone sad, but I love him so much. What did you What did you hit? Prophet of Crufix and Animar. It's not that bad. It's still terrible. That's not that bad. I am just a horrible person. I mean, that's hard to argue with, but that's not that bad. So, off, off an empty board, we're looking at Zer, Maelstrom Wanderer, C. If we're talking about empty boards, does Prosh actually get up here? I mean, he makes a bunch of dudes. He does make a bunch of dudes, so he has that immediate value. Yeah. It's not like Sharoon where you do need a little more setup. True. Not only that, but he's in a color scheme where you can literally have a network of card interactions. Yeah. You could very, very easily pull something off the top that takes advantage of, of all those dudes. Right. And if nothing else, if you top deck into lands, that just means you're close to recasting Prosh and getting even more dudes. Yeah. And in the meantime, you can just beat people down with Prosh. Right. So we'll put Prosh at number three for now. Whoops. Oops. Hmm. Let's see. The number four spot, we had listed Narsa because she was just fourth off the top of our heads. Yeah. But is that better than getting a Darksteel Forge for almost nothing? Almost, because Narsa actually can just cast a Darksteel Forge for nothing. Yeah, and on the empty board... On the empty board, she'll help you d- dig through your deck. Like, that seems yes. to be the, defi- the defining trait that we're using for the top tier of this Yeah, list. on the it, empty board. On an empty board, no hand size, top deck mode. Which one of these commanders are you going to want the most? And with that being I said... I want Narset over Arkham. Actually, with that being said, I think I want Mashin Wanderer over Zur. Mm. Like, with Zur... If you don't have anything else, he has to wait a whole turn to attack, so he can True. just be killed. Mouse Wander gets you that in value, so I'm going to bump Mouse Wander up one. Fair. Zer the Enchanter. Now, is getting free spells more valuable than just getting guaranteed O ones? That's what's, that's what's going to... I think feel like that's the defining factor here between Narset and Prosh. True. Because Narset has that, oh, I need to attack in order to get this effect, and Prosh has the cast. Yeah. Prosh is also just bringing in free chump blockers and what have you. <laughs> and if someone has a door in the siege tower out, then you just got a bunch of one ones. Yes. Doran. I think I'd still keep them where they are. Okay. So going down to number five, this is where we potentially have Arkham Daxon. This is where we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, they have to have kind of something. Yeah. With Arkham, you need like a Midnight or an Ornithopter. With Titania, you just need a land. A land. <laughs> With Gabe, you just need something or anything. Shroom. Basically anything that you have in that deck. Right. And Sharoom just needs an artifact in the graveyard. Yeah. You look at Animar, and Animar just says, hey, you have dudes, cast them. I'm just going to hang around for a while. I'll yeah. get really huge, I'll have protection from black and white. Although a zombie can draw you a card as soon as you hit the old. True. And if you start playing other wizards, then she starts chaining and starts drawing a lot more cards. Yes, but that requires more outside. It means more. It requires more resources and more setup. Yes. Whereas, Which is true of both Animar and the Zombie. Yeah. So I feel like those two are actually going to be towards the lower end of this tier list. Yeah. So right now our primary fight is between Arkham, Gave, Titania, and Sharon. What are your thoughts? Um, I think for the number five and six spot, probably. Titania and then Sharoom on the criteria that they don't require any other resources on the board but can help recur things that have been put into the graveyard? Mm, that is a fine argument, but Gave has the potential to go infinite so quickly. Yes, but so does Sharoom. Mm, this is true. Because there are at least two or three different artifacts that she could bring back that cause an infinite, that can cause an infinite loop. 
Well, go ahead and name the first one off the top of your head. Uh, Sculpting Steel. Right. Sculpting Steel comes into play as a copy of Shroom. Uh, state-based actions send that cop, send whichever one to the graveyard. You put the target on the stack, you grab another Shroom, or you, you just, just loop it endlessly. Right, you just loop it endlessly with like Blood Artist. With okay. Blood Artist, or Bitter Ordeal, or Disciple of the Vault, All that right. sort of thing. Counterpoint, gave was something like Cather's Crusade. <laughs> but that still rec- that still gets capped by the amount of mana you have unless you have another card. Right. Okay. But what are you doing with those infinite shrooms if you're not already having a third card True. to bend off, bend off them? But the thing is, with the infinite shrooms, it doesn't require any mana investment aside from casting shroom, mm. is the argument here. Right. Whereas with Gave, you need, say, maybe like an Earthcraft on top of it. An Earth- which then also taps all of your infinite. Or Astronaut's Altar, where you just sack a token. Yeah. Because, let's see, each token comes into play, triggers Captain's Crusade, everyone gets a counter, you sack that token, make some mana, you get infinite big Gave. But then Gave just gets jump blocked? Uh, it wouldn't even make infinite big Gave unless you have, say, a Hardened Scales or a Doubling Season. Because you're removing the counter each time to make another dude. That's right. Hmm. So, exploitability, they're more or less neck and neck. Yeah. Sarum has the more immediate value, the more immediate impact. All right, so Sarum is going to be ahead of Gabe, but can she get ahead of Arkham Dagson? <laughs> Arkham Dagson requires him to not have summoning sickness and you to have an artifact creature. All right, I can I can do it. Sarum also I think has one. The, I think the only reason, or let's see, because the needing to attack criteria doesn't quite apply to Narset just because she has built-in protection. Um, and Zer is just cheap enough that it doesn't really matter. Doesn't Zer also fly? Yeah, Zer also flies. Yeah, he's got he's got like that Dragon Ball cloud thing that he flies on. Yeah, it's weird. But Arkham needs boots of some sort, and also a dude. He's got to scrap one of his robots. Yes. All right. So we say that Shroom gets in there because she just requires less pieces. Her color combinations allow her to pull this combo off a little more reliably too. Like, they both have black, but Shroom has a, lot, has a little more card filter in blue. And you also get the disruption in case people are trying to disrupt your combo. Yes. Okay, so Arkham Daxon gets bumped down the list. Gabe, I think Gabe holds off Titania just fine, though. Yeah, probably. Just because Titania's explosive, but not necessarily combo. She's also not necessarily consistent. True. Like, I have a friend who plays the, okay, no hearts barred t- Titania deck. Yeah. And it is, in fact, a very explosive deck. Sometimes it even outraces Kalia. Or most of the time it outraces Kalia. Yeah. So now we're kind of down to the bottom three of this top ten. <laughs> Arkham Daxon, Animar, and Azami. Uh, I think they're all kind of the same, honestly. Kind of. I mean, I would actually say Arkham Daxon is just on there at number eight. Because the thing that he has over Animar is that he grabs anything out of your deck, whereas Animar is dependent on what's in your hand. True. So you have a very strong toolbox factor. Yes. And what Animar has the, the awesome growth and protection thing, but he's really just circumventing the rule of, hey, you don't have to pay as much for this thing. Yeah. Arvin Daxon is doing the exact same thing, only you can get it straight from your deck. I think Animar probably goes down to number 10, just because it requires much more of an engine to be set up than any of the others. So you actually think Animar gets over a zombie, then? I think a zombie gets over Animar. I'm sorry, I had that backwards, yes. 
just because Animar requires you to have some sort of way to keep your hand full, which you do get access to in the colors. It just takes more setup than a zombie. A zombie. A, a zombie, zombie, which just comes down and says, I'm going to draw a card. Now, Calvin were here, he'd tell us, no, zombies don't require any setup at all. You play your graveyard and you play a spell that brings them all back, and then boom, instant zombies. You know what's going to happen? Calvin's going to, we're going to be wrapping up and giving our outro, and then Calvin's going to be jumping in and being like, okay, I'm ready to record. Let's do this. We're going to be like, dude, we just, re- we just finished the show. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Yeah, I see how it is. Can't wait for the captain. Captain wasn't here to make it happen. Yeah, he's just hitting the tip of the iceberg, but just the tip. Just the tip. So, the bottom three end, ends up looking like Arkham Daxum, Azami, and Animar. Azami edging out over Animar, because, yes, there is the exploit... To, a- Animar, I think, gets there on the exploit telepathy, because just casting Eldrazi for free is stupid. Yeah. Azami has, hmm, has more immediate impact, more value, more comeback from behind power. Mm. True. And when you're Whereas ahead. if you attempt to go off with Animar and it gets killed, you're just kind of out of luck. Yeah, Animar is definitely a combo piece that requires you to have stuff in your hand. Now, it's an <laughs> incredibly powerful combo piece when you start going infinite morphs <laughs> with Constant Curio. Or just um, Ancestral Statue, I think is what it is. Uh, four mana, colorless, when it enters the battlefield, return another permanent you controlled its owner's hand. Or return a permanent you controlled its owner's hand. It just bounces itself and it's free. Yeah, I think a zombie actually managed to hang in there and just beat the Animar. <laughs> Not to mention a zombie's in one of those colors that can stop Animar. She is. Like, she can actually just say, no, we're going to bounce them back to your hand and reset your counters. Yep. Over and over and over. It's such a pain when that happens. It really is. All right. So, our final list... It looks like, just for one more time. Based on the criteria of value, immediate impact, notoriety, exploitability, and arbitrarily, how good it is to have it on an empty board. Because we needed something to be able to put them all into an actual list. Alright, so the list goes, Mouse and Wanderer at number one. Number two, Zer the Enchanter. Number three, Prosh. Four is Narset, Knight Nasser. Five, Shroom the Hegemon. Six, Gabe, Guru of Spores. Seven is Titanium, Protector of Argoth. Eight is Arkham Daxon. Nine, Azami, Lady of Scrolls. Hey, she was my favorite command this week. How about that? <laughs> and ten is Animar, Soul of Elements. Woo. So, yeah, this was kind of a shorter episode. Things ended up uh, getting skewed this week, but that's okay. Next week, we'll be back to our regular cast, Mys, Mark. We'll have our guests ready. And we plan on doing something akin to an award show. We'll see how well we can pull that off. <laughs> All right, so, Clay, did you have any anything else you wanted to say about, you know, what we came up with here? Oh, uh, I mean, I think giving the broadness of our criteria, this is probably about as good as we were going to get. Um, it would definitely be easier in other episodes to be like, top ten combo commanders, top ten mid-range commanders, top ten control commanders, etc. Or just having some sort of overarching theme, as opposed to just the best. It's definitely going to... I definitely look forward to seeing what we each come up with for our personal top ten commanders. I can, I'm looking at all these, and it's like, yeah, they're really powerful, but how many of these do we actually play? Like, I swapped out Sharoon for Sidri 
because I wanted less of a combo reanimation type thing and more of a pure uh, Rube Goldberg gold, uh, combo engine. Yeah. Like, like, I play Narset, and I play a zombie, but I don't really play any of these other guys because of how busted they were or because, you know, they just got so repetitive that they didn't really interest me anymore. Fair. Oh, well. So, that's been our top ten commanders after we've had this long discussion figured out. And, just like your regular episodes, it's time for us to take this to the outro. We went an hour and a half, including dangles. <laughs> I'm going to call it a good night. Yeah. All right. This has been Commander Guest, episode 228. I want to go ahead and thank every one person for joining me tonight. Clay, thank you for being here tonight. Yeah, no problem. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't just you muttering to yourself for two hours. No, it was not a two-hour edition of Journey to Somewhere where I drive up to Cleveland just so I can record an episode of Commander Guest. <laughs> Dear God. So, let's go ahead and pass out the contact information at this point. Clay, if people want to reach you, how are you going to do that? Uh, people can find me, um at the Gmail and the Twitter and on occasionally the Reddit as EDH Panda and my girlfriend Mallory and I occasionally stream on Twitch as Panda Alpaca it's down there in the show notes if you follow us on Twitter you can get updates as to when we go live and what we're going to be playing alright and if you want to get in touch with me personally I am email W-I-E Hernandez at gmail.com you can also follow me on the Twitters I'm BlueRam1409 and if you want to reach us here at CommanderCast proper, email us, CommanderCast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Twitter, we're at CommanderCast. If you want to message us on that Facebook page, definitely go ahead, we'll get back to you on that. We're manned by Waffle Cone, Calvin, and me. They're actually a lot better about Facebook messages than I am. <laughs> or, hey, you can also send us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it off-air. Uh, still haven't gotten any new ones lately, but that's fine. You know, if you don't if you like what we do here and you don't just want to leave a review, though, consider supporting us on Patreon. Some of you are donating already, and that's actually just amazing. Thank you very much for people out there who think we're worth it. And for people who aren't donating, donating yet, you know, thank you just for listening anyway, just for, for sticking out the entire episode, being with us, and continuing to come back and listen to what we have to say. All right, then. And a big thanks to everyone here on the Command Cast Network. You're just all fantastic friends. I love having you. Music for our show is the X Meets Heavy Metal series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! Oops. One episode. (laughs) One episode without Calvin. I thought I was going to get through without getting interrupted. You're welcome, Calvin.
So where is Gabe? Where is Calvin? Where is Calvin? I'm going to send him a message. Like, we, we could definitely use with someone else's insight here. All right, I sent him a message, so we'll see. Then we'll come back. All right. So. How are you? Ah, pretty, feeling pretty good. good. I, mean, I mean, anytime you get like a, what, a one, a two to three hundred dollar piece of equipment for free, <laughs> feels pretty good. True that. I mean, like, my phone is actually an Android phone, so I don't have that nifty interconnection type thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's an, it's an iPad. Who cares? Yeah. Although now I have to find a cover that can make it look like a wizard tablet. Ooh. Okay. What generation? Um, the box just says iPad. That's literally all it says. Ah, all right then. So I'm assuming it's, I guess, first generation. Mm. Although I don't know why they would necessarily do that, since I don't... Maybe they just had one sitting around? Well, no, they had like 17 of these to give away this week. Oh, wow. Like, it was in a random drawing, like if you showed up every day for work on time, you got entered into the drawing. (laughs) But they were giving away 17 of these fuckers. And I don't think Apple price drops anything. No, they never do. Which is how they get you to buy the newest and greatest model. Yep. Bastards. <laughs> oh, guess it's just you and me for now, Clay. Well. Actually, I think this is going to be the first time that it's just been you and me on the call. <laughs> like, we played on Cockatrice together. I did the Deadpool Spotlight with Mark one. And I've done, pl- <laughs> and I've done plenty of episodes with just me and Calvin. Like, that's, <laughs> that's nothing new. Man, how to even qualify most powerful... Um, well, that's something that we can actually get into. Yeah. So, I guess I'm just going to start the show. Are you ready for this? Sure. This might also, be... my roommate is singing, and I don't know what he's singing because my headphones are on. He's all right, then. Wait, I don't know why. Wait, what's he singing? Uh, Pompeii by Bastille. Huh. Usually my go-to is Let It Go. <laughs> we would actually murder him. Let's see. <laughs> but, um, but, but William I... says his go-to is Let It Go. So we would actually murder him. Oh, okay. Um, quick little story. So we went grocery shopping yesterday, and we got some boxes of cereal. And we noticed on the Mini Wheats box there was a thing that was like, hey, get a Disney spoon. And like a, one of those spoon straws. Ooh, and I think so, I know where you're going with it. And so we looked at the back, and they had like Buzz Lightyear, Olaf, Elsa, Sully... I think, like, Lightning McQueen and then some other characters. There were six in total. I was like, okay, there, there's a two in six chance that we get a frozen one. Um, for, for the record, on the front of the box, there was an Olaf on the front of the box. So we opened it up. Sure enough, it's Olaf. <sighs> so when we open up, when Mallory gets out the box of Frosted Flakes, we see that there's also an Olaf spoon um, on the front of that one. We didn't notice it when we were at the store, and so we opened it up, and sure enough, there's a second fucking Olaf. What the actual hell? <laughs> oh, see, now I need to find this one thing. Have you, have you heard of Pocket Princesses? No, I have not. Okay, so... Hmm, how do I... Okay, so there's this thing on Facebook called Pocket Princesses. And the artist basically does one-panel comics of all the Disney princesses. And she did a series called Meet the Princesses. And she ended with the Elsa one. Uh Uh-huh. So just give that a quick look. I dropped it into the chat. It basically comes in the form of, here's a picture of them, and here's a couple of thumbnails. The biggest regret. 
There you I go. Approve. I've never actually seen Frozen. <gasps> I think I'm a better person for it. I mean, to be fair, I was actually pretty pissed off with Frozen when I was in theater. Like, Mallory is bitter about Frozen because she uh she worked at Disney in the aftermath of Frozen. When it was literally frozen everything for an entire year. Wait, at Disney Store or Disney World? At Disney World, she worked uh, janitorial staff at Wide World, that Wide World of Sports, as an internship. Wow. Yeah, she cleaned shit. Clean, just so, are we talking about Frozen or actual shit? Uh, both. See, my problem with Frozen. Frozen or actual shit both. You see, all the merchandising would have you believe that Elsa is actually very prominent in the movie, and she's not. So um, She also says that she would prefer the actual shit over Frozen most days, because she can actually clean the actual shit and get rid of it. Ouch. Meanwhile, I'm over here collecting, like, every Elsa mug I find in the store. <laughs> what a fangirl. Hey, man, I was, I was, like, real happy when I found, like, the last Elsa Disney Infinity Amiibo thing in the store. Mm. Like, that's actually a legit figure. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Anyways. Anyways, let's go ahead and get on with the show. Ah, there we go. I was about to say, this was an ep- this is actually just like the shortest intro episode with like the most minimum of dangles. And yet, here we are. <laughs> Alright. So, I'm going to go ahead and actually, I'm going to make another thing above this one. Criteria. There we go. And we'll put a little bullet point. Okay. Criteria. I actually did come up with, like, three points of criteria when I was discussing this with some friends, so I'll get into that when we start. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I've got a couple things I can throw in there as we go. Excellent. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can... Okay. I'm trying to remember exactly what they were. They were... They get you value. They're... The value one was there. Repeatable tutoring was another one. And I think third was costs, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. I think that yeah, because Zura was in, Zura and Malsha Wanda were in there. We talked about Kali at one point, but agreed that she wasn't top ten. Okay, let's just zoom it. We'll see what we get. Why do we have to... So where the fuck is Calvin? Okay, I thought you said, why the hell do we have to rake things? I'm like, the leaves are getting out of hand? <laughs> I'm going to guess something happened to Calvin. Like, maybe something came up and he couldn't show up, or he never saw my email and thought we weren't doing anything tonight. It would be nice if you would at least let us know. Ah, well, these are the things that the holidays will do to you, I guess. True. I mean, again, Truncate Silence will always pull this all out. True. Watch him only Truncate Silence? Well, no, he's got to go in and he's got to scoop out the dangly bits. No, like, you you leave all the dangles in and you just Truncate and that's it. But would Calvin actually do that, though? Probably not, but it would be kind of funny. Well, that actually might just be part of how I edit when I start doing the exclusive show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not a two-hour trip to Cleveland, journey to somewhere edition. No, no I'm going to do that over.
MinuteGas.com. All right, guys, I'm here. All right, let's see here. Let's get ready to do Guys, what the hell is this? Top 10 powerful commanders. Calvin, we did show without you. Pistol list. In case your room, and a maelstrom. Hmm. Where the hell is Ashling? 